Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's a Rewind episode. That's right. You are going to be hearing an episode that we released last year, but with new context. A year ago, we talked with Alisa Bertrand from Jabella Fleur about her work, her creativity, her passion for sustainable sewing. And now, one year later, guess who has a two-page spread in Vogue magazine? Alyssa Bertrand. I'm excited to be able to talk with her again. We had a very brief phone call because she's been incredibly busy. She is our very first official Rewind episode. Stay tuned so you can listen to the phone chat that we had. And then it could be an introduction to her fantastic episode from last year. So stay tuned. Hello. Hello, Alyssa. How are you? Good. How are you? It's so good to hear your voice. How are things? Congratulations. Thank you. Everything is good. Just working on stuff, trying to get things put together and moving along. Thank you very much for taking the time to have this call with me. I know you have got to be swamped, but I was like, oh, my gosh, she's in vogue. Not shocked or surprised, but so (laughs) delighted. I'm so delighted. I'm so thrilled for you. What's it like? What can you tell us about how this came about? I actually did that Vogue challenge last year at one point where you took, like, their Vogue logo and stuck it on a picture. And I think from there it just did a little spinoff, and a lot of people were tagging Vogue, should see this. And then it came about to where a um, writer for Vogue wanted to just do a little blog post, and I was like, yeah, no problem. And then from there, that's how they connected again with me for the magazine. That is just amazing. I'm so happy to be talking with you again because I'm going to re-release the conversation you and I had last year. I cannot believe it's been a year since we spoke. Can you believe it? Your episode first aired in February of 2020. And now we're talking briefly on the phone in February 2021. And you're in vogue. What? It just goes to show hard work is paying off and the recognition is showing now. Yes, and so well-deserved. You have a beautiful vision. You always have had this beautiful vision. And the thing that I love about what's happening for you now is that you didn't feel compelled to change, that you didn't have to do anything different in order to be recognized. You just Mm -hmm. continue to be yourself, and you continue Mm -hmm. to let your girls be themselves. Do you find that's been affirming in some ways to... Or do you feel like you did have to change? I'm saying I don't think you did, but what do you think? No, I I haven't changed. I haven't changed from the beginning. I've stuck to what I've always done. I love the vintage aesthetic. I love just mixing and playing with patterns and prints and florals and just anything I can really get my hands on. So I haven't changed. I've added more to what I am, especially now. Mm. Okay, I'm going to take a little bit more time or I'm going to add this now because I like the way this sleeve looks with this silhouette or it just it's just more so adding to what I already had there as my foundation. But I definitely have not changed in a sense of trying to conform to what somebody wants to see or what somebody likes. Like, I still continue to do me and what we like. Yes, that is exactly what I find so powerful about this. 
because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, if I want to get into blank magazine, I need to do something totally different so that they might see me. And if no, mm-hmm. if you continue to do what you are doing, they will see you and should. It's like the mainstream caught up with you as opposed to you having to change to get attention. I'm like, so what? surprised, though, too, because of the fact How? that I didn't change anything. And the part of it, too, is this is Vogue magazine. This is not a children's magazine. It's women's fashion. It's anything yep. that's going on in the fashion world. And then to have two pages of children printed in an adult magazine for fashion, I was just like, this is beyond what I had ever expected or even thought of last year or the year before when I started my Instagram. Just, it's just amazing. But I hope, though, it's being recognized in the right way and manner and not just yeah. because it's okay, all of a sudden people want to start paying attention to black artists, black writers, black, you mm-hmm. know, people in this type of field that was never really allowed or had that way paved in a right. sense to where. It is now. I don't know if companies are, let's search for black people so we can put them on our page and have a square. Mm. I like to reiterate that a lot as well. I'm not changing for you. If you like what you see, it's because you see something there that intrigues you and not because of the color that you see in the image. And I would say that this is a long time coming. I feel as though there has been a lot more sustained attention to black contributions as there Mm -hmm. should have been all along. So Mm -hmm. they're just late. It really is. They're just late. And so I certainly would never take on any type of, oh, you're just getting this attention now because you're black. That's bullshit. We get a lot of things because we're black, like Mm -hmm. state violence and police abuse, but attention and praise just for being black, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Mm -hmm. You have done such beautiful and amazing work, and you always have. And the idea that this magazine is now seeing that is wonderful and exciting, but you have always been wonderful and exciting. And that's one of the things I just love about your story. You continue to be yourself, continue to stake out your claims and continue to execute your vision and you'll be happy. And if somebody sees it, a big magazine, uh, whoever sees it will recognize that. And it's nothing that you have to do. Let me ask one last question, because I know you're in the middle of homeschooling the girls. How have they responded to all this attention and all this? I love the stories that you told about them and how they have their own unique vision, their own unique style. And I love how in your parenting of them, you are encouraging them to embrace that. You're not trying to get them to change. They are not, they have no idea that they would even probably want to change. How have they Mm -hmm. responded to this attention? Sometimes I don't think they really realize that, like, this is something major. But then, again, it just shows how humble they are in the sense of it wasn't expected, but they had something, and it was amazing for them, and it was a great feeling. Change-wise, we're still the same group. We're still the same people that we were from the very beginning and just really thankful for all of these opportunities and things that we get to experience because of what we do and the things that we create together. Yes, I I just love that. Alyssa, thank you so much for taking this phone call. Thank you so much for squeezing me in the middle of much yeah. what, of what must be an incredibly busy day between teaching and designing and just being fabulous and look, living in your amazing house that looks like a museum. Busy with that. But thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I feel really lucky as well as really smart and very correct. 
because I knew years ago that you were going to hit. I knew that your work was special and amazing, and you continue to prove it every day. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was a phone conversation I was fortunate enough to have with Elisa Bertrand just the other day. But now we're going to turn to our episode from February 2020 that helps us to learn a bit more about how she got her great start. And a quick note on production. This episode was recorded in 2020, a year ago. I have grown quite a bit in my podcasting skills since then. So enjoy all the little nuances of this rewind episode. Welcome back, Stitchers. I am delighted to have this great conversation with Elisa Bertrand, who is the creative genius behind Jabella Fleur, this uh, this fantastic Instagram page that speaks to just a portion of her vast creativity. Elisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to talk about your approach to fashion overall, but first to get a little bit of your background, when did you start sewing and when did you start to create such a unique vision for your work? I started actually sewing probably about 10 to 15 years back and it occurred. I used to get these little cross stitch kits from my aunt who was also a seamstress and had her own shop. And I used to hate it because I'd get cross stitch and everybody would get these really cool gift cards to somewhere and I'm getting a cross stitch kit. And it just stemmed from there of like really hating it and then just evolving into enjoying it and just picking it up. And I actually started taking my first official sewing class when I was in high school for an elective rather than cooking. So it started there with making boxer shorts and scrunchies. But my actual aesthetic and what I create now stem from just years of loving patterns and textiles and just putting them together and creating what I liked and enjoyed seeing. Yeah. That's really fantastic. And this idea that you started from being like a slightly sullen kid who was like, how come I don't have gift cards to the movies? Yeah. How come my present too. is, how come my present is this hoop and this big needle and some tapestry thread? Like what kind of gift giving foolishness is this? And you transitioned into taking sewing voluntarily. Like what made you decide between cooking and sewing in school? I, I was just like, I don't want to be in cooking. I took cooking when I was in junior high and I thought it was the most boringest thing ever to have to sit and listen to a teacher tell you like measuring and scooping and powdered sugar. I was just, that was just not me. And I was like, this is so boring. So when I got to high school, it was either cooking or sewing. And I was like, I am not doing cooking and I cook and I can cook very well, but I did not want to learn cooking though. It wasn't an interest like that. So I, when I did get that little tapestry kit with cross stitch, I was like, this is awful. And now to this day, the funny thing about that cross stitch is one of the coolest things that I've made to this point was some jackets, like some really nice coats for my girls made out of all kinds of tapestry pieces sewn together. So it's like ironic. It's come full circle. Yeah, it has. Right? It really kind of come like, full circle. Exactly. The thing I hated the most turned out to be one of the most gorgeous things I've ever made. So it was like, <laughs> yeah. 
That's amazing. It reminds me in some ways of my story. When I was, I didn't start sewing until I was in graduate school. And so my mother sewed, my grandmother sewed, my aunt sewed, everybody sewed, and I wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, ugh. My mother would make me these gorgeous outfits and for my two sisters. And I'd be like, why can't I just get my clothes at the mall like everybody else? And when I started graduate school, I was like, no, I'm doing my radical black feminism. I do not want to be chained down to some domestic tasks, blah, blah, blah. And girl, I started trying to write that dissertation and I was like, oh, I need a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's this funny. is really hard. And my hobby became sewing. And then ever since then, I have not stopped. And I got out of graduate school 20 years ago. And so it has been the same idea. My mother like marvels now. And she was like, I remember when you didn't like sewing and now you're like better than me. You And I was like, I don't know if I'm better than you, but I do love it. And so it's really, I think ironic is the perfect word for it. So I want to talk about your approach and the blending of textiles. One of the, I love the images. I was thinking actually about the image of your girls on the back of Sewn Magazine from, oh, I yeah. think this is the, mm -hmm. is it the September, October yes. issue? Mm -hmm. And again, y'all, if you are not subscribing to Sewn Magazine, why are you not? Because the thing that I saw in that image of the of your three girls, before we get to that image, tell us about how you came up with the name Jabella Fleur. Okay, so Jabella Fleur is actually my name combined with my three girls that I designed for. So J.A. in the beginning is my two oldest twins, which is Jayla and Jada. The A.B. in the middle, which is my name, Alisa Bertrand, and then the Ella at the end is for my youngest daughter, who is Ella, and then Fleur, which is flower in French, because I am I love anything, flower prints, flower anything. Yep, that's a combination of us and who we are. It, and it speaks so well to the project itself. And it's just, it's so, the name itself is organic. It's because of the fleur, because of the origins, and it just works so beautifully. And it reflects so beautifully the work that you create and produce. And that's something that I think I see when I look at your work is, I think, organic. I think that the creative process that inspired this look is something, it's, it seems it's a sign of someone who trusts themselves and knows themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, and what's something I love about it is that it's teaching your girls to do the same, it seems to me. And so I was asking you about the sewn cover. Can you talk a bit about that process and where that photo was taken? So for sewn, I did a repurposing of jeans material for that issue. But the back cover, which is what you're speaking of, is a picture with them wearing white dresses that were all recycled from just white garments, skirts, blouses, dresses. And I took all that apart and used those materials again to create three dresses for them that and that picture was actually taken in Florida at the Bach Gardens, which was just gorgeous and beautiful. And the dresses just blended in so well with this like lush green background. And that's how that was created for going. And I purposely created it to go out there. And I was like, I want to do something in white. So it just happened to work out perfectly. And the, the first thing I saw, and this is something that I see when I see some of your other photos, I kept thinking about... Beyonce's Lemonade. 
mm-hmm. the the video the visual album and I think what Beyonce is pulling on there is scenes from Daughters of the Dust and just I these love that movie by the way see I love it, it and, and and that movie alone though I'd hate to say I I would I wish I could recreate so many of those scenes. You can tell. I can see it in the work. And and for those of you all who might not know Julie Dash, Daughters of the Dust, this beautiful story um, set in the South Carolina Sea Islands and about home and memory and progress and love and intimacy. It is, I think, a black feminist classic. Would you say? Is that how would you describe it? I definitely would. And just to just somebody looking for their own and versus having to follow what somebody else has said, no matter what it is. So it, that's, that movie is just amazing. And just the cinematography alone is just worth watching as well. Absolutely. And that's, and I think that, I don't, I think it's really an underappreciated classic. I think maybe people like for me, I learned about it in graduate school as part of my studies. And that's when it, that's when I, it first came to my attention. But I think that people now, if they know about, no, I can't say for everyone. I hate to say people do this, people do that. It seems like lemonade if you study Lemonade, the visual album, which is something I do in my class, I, we have, there's a book on, there's a Lemonade reader, a black feminist reader that talks about all the different historical elements of the visual album. And hopefully there's people who are being introduced to Julie Dash through Lemonade because all of that, all of Lemonade is a, um, hybrid, right? It has the yeah. poems of Warsaw mm-hmm. Shire. It has a lot of the cinematogra- cinematographic elements from other places and things and references, and it's multi-layered and multi-dimensional. But I think that your picture of, the, of those, the three girls in the, it just felt very New Orleans to me. And maybe it's because mm-hmm. of the fence behind it and then the mm-hmm. organic, the plants and stuff. It really is, I feel like I can definitely see the traces of that in your work. And I find that so beautiful because it allows people to connect dots that they didn't even know were there. Yes. About things that they themselves might not have known. And I, hopefully it inspires curiosity. So people who listen to this episode, y'all need to go check out daughters of the dust. You can find it. If you found this podcast, you can find daughters of the dust. It's actually (laughs) Um, on Netflix too. So if they, if you type it in Netflix, it's still showing on Netflix. See, told you you could find it hey y'all you're listening to the stitch please podcast today we're talking with lisa bertrand of jabella fleur do check out daughters of the dust i have included a link to an article about it in the show notes for today and when we come back from the break we'll hear how alicia gets her girls involved in the look she creates stay tuned at Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, we talk a lot about sewing. But if you want to see and not just hear about some of the things we've been discussing, feel free to join us on the socials. You can find us at 
Stitch Please on Facebook, and you can also find us on Instagram at Black Women Stitch. You can find photos of projects that we've been working on, really interesting social commentary, and on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can join Black Women Stitch for a live Instagram chat. Again, that's every Thursday at 3 p.m. So find us on the socials, follow up with us. We are happy to hear your direct messages. You can reach out to us at the Black Women Stitch page on Instagram. It will help you get your stitch together. Welcome back to the Stitch Please podcast. We're talking today with Lisa Bertrand of Jabella Floor, who's going to tell us more about how she gets her girls so enthusiastically involved in the work that she's creating. Listen up. So let's talk about your girls and your models as models and as muses for your work. How do you involve them in your creative process? I know there's people who want to sew for their children and who either have difficulties doing that or can't convince the kids. And I think I also want to emphasize that when you think about children sewing, you need to throw everything you know about children sewing out the window if you want to appreciate what Jabella Fleur is doing, because she has, in my mind, completely radicalized the creative possibilities for apparel for children. This is someone who has such a capaciously creative spirit. Alyssa, that's how I see you, as a capaciously creative spirit. And you are not just, in, at least in my reading, you aren't just using your kids as like a canvas for your work. It seems like they are also very involved and invested because I have taken photos of reluctant children. My boys are pretty reluctant models. And so <laughs> I know that look and it's like, oh, mom, please, another one. That's enough. But your images that you get don't invoke, don't invoke that at all. It does seem like a partnership. And it seems like one of the things I love about what you're doing is that I think you're helping I think that you're, you're teaching your girls something through your work. So can you talk about what their involvement is like? So they, I actually design particularly for each one in mind. So I know one of them can't stand pink. So I won't make pink for her. I know one, you know, really likes shorts and culottes and won't wear necessarily anything that's pants and things like that. So I design for them. But I do mix in a lot of prints that I really enjoy. And I, I definitely create for them, which means I do involve them. So I'll ask them, do you like this? Do you like this color? Do you like this print? And so forth. So I do bring them into the process like that. But a lot of the times I do also create what I like just as a designer's aspect. And the funny thing with them is whatever I make though, they're so in love with, which is like so fun because it's, it's for them and they know that. And they're like really happy, I think for that part. So I think when they're younger, it's a lot easier because obviously when you have younger children, you go and shop for them, even in a store and you purchase whatever you want for them. And then you, they wear it. But it's like when you start as they get older, I would encourage those who do want to sew for their children to bring them into the process, even take them to the store. What kind of fabrics or materials or prints do you like? Is this one scratchy as the girls would say, or this one's too whichever they might create or think of something as in their terms of how something feels, but involve them because then it becomes more of a fun process and it's something that you can do together with your child. 
And and tell me, how long have you been sewing for them? And what is your background in terms of pulling these kind of looks together? How did you start to say, you know what, I want to use Jabella Floor. I want to create this brand. I want to create this project. I want my creativity to show up in this way. I just really love prints and color. And I'm almost to the point of like, why don't people use more color and print in what they do? And I really pull from like vintage because vintage or even just older, like eighties, nineties prints to me, there's nothing like it. And there's nothing that compares to it even today. So that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from. And then it's just a combination of putting things together and, oh, wow, this print really makes this other one pop or the colors combine together. It just flows like that for me to where I create these and put them together. And it's almost been, I would say, within these past few years that I've really like delve into combining a lot of these prints and patterns and color palettes to come up with what I do come up with and create today. Uh, tell me about your girls and how they are. What, are the, what is their response to accessories? I don't think I have ever seen anyone use accessories to the effective degree that you do. They're, I keep imagining like your closet or their closets. Like I imagine that each of them has their own huge closet and with their oh, name nice. on it. <laughs> uh, with their name on it. Actually, and, accessories. Yeah, we definitely. I have a lower half to my house, which is like a semi-basement. So that alone should just tell you that we have a, I have a large studio. I should put something on my stories so people can just see how massive it is. But yeah, we do have tons of accessories. I think I can't even count how many umpteen belts, sunglasses, hats. Um, it just pulls looks together. Even for children, they love to accessorize. Who doesn't? We as women might throw on a necklace, a beret or whatever. Girls and children alone love to do that. So I just find it fun and all, whatever they wear, they're like, oh, can I go get a, some glasses and hat? And I'm like, go ahead, choose whatever you want. So it's fun for them too, because then they really like the outfit a lot more because they've gotten to customize it however they want it to whatever they feel with adding a belt or glasses or a purse or a hat. They don't have their own closet, but they do have a whole downstairs of racks full of clothes and accessories. I think that they don't have closets, but they have a wardrobe department. They do. My, yeah, my my husband thinks it's really funny because my youngest daughter, Ella, took him down there, which is like the basement area, and said, this is where we get dressed, Dad. And he started laughing because he was like, yeah, literally, it looks like a store. It's my store. <laughs> That's right. And I want to think about your store. I want to think about, can you walk us through the process of sewing these garments? I was surprised to learn that you don't really buy a lot of, you don't go to the fabric store and buy, okay, well, I'm making three dresses. Therefore, each girl's about, the twins are three yards each or two yards each. And Ella is like one and a half yards. So you don't have to think about those kind of calculations. What does fabric acquisition look like for you? I really don't buy fabric because of the fact that, first of all, it is so expensive to buy it nowadays. Then you multiply that by three children times the yardage. The math alone right there is just crazy. And I can honestly never find the prints that I like. I'm very eclectic when it comes to prints. And I'm very specific when it comes to color. So if I can't find it, 
I'm like scrap the whole store. So it's, I do a lot of thrifting and that's where a lot of my repurposing and sustainable fashion comes from because I repurpose pretty much anything and everything that I can get my hands on. So that's where it comes from. And that's why you'll also see the girls never really matching, but in a coordinated way. So they might all have a blue or they might all have some sort of floral print, but it's never really matchy matchy because I don't buy fabric by the yard. That's so impressive. So instead for your thrifting, you, so you go to the thrift store, you go to a Goodwill or you go to a place like that. And then when you walk in, what do you do? I, I first go to the kids section. Cause I'm always looking for like vintage coats and stuff that can't really be found like that. But then I usually go to the adult section, which is like women's and stuff. And I'll go and look through like skirts, dresses, blouses, I even go into the home section, which is like all the quilted bedding, sheets, things like that, because you can obviously get a huge king flat sheet and the amount of things you could make out of a flat sheet is really, I could probably make two or three dresses depending on the, you know, style and cut. But I, I look for stuff like that. And then I go from there and usually skirts and dresses and bedding, I can get obviously a lot more yardage in just open space fabric. So that's what I use. That's wonderful. It's funny because I'm sure you might've heard these conversations before the line of argument goes something like, oh, you, so therefore you must save so much money on your clothes. And then I say, I don't really save money on my clothes because fabric is expensive. My time is expensive. I don't, I don't think people sew anymore to save money. I think people sew because they want a certain look that they can't get in the store. They want something Mm -hmm. to fit their bodies and the store doesn't do it. But I think maybe you are an example of an exception to this principle because you really are saving money because you're making all these amazing looks and you're not even buying fabric, expensive fabrics. You're buying, you're thrifting them. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great like counterpoint to the idea that you can't sew and save money. So a couple of things, sewing is definitely not what it used to be because even when I was in high school, purchasing patterns and fabric for class. The pattern nowadays versus a pattern back then. My goodness. I mean, you're not even saving on the pattern to buy the pattern alone. You could probably buy an outfit in some stores. So that alone, it, I, I truly believe people are not sewing anymore to save money. It's sewing because you're trying to create your own look. You're trying to say, this is who I am and who your identity is. Maybe you've seen some material that you don't want anybody else to have. There's like so many reasons, but it's definitely not cost effective, which is sad to say, which used to be back then. But for me, I do it because it's, it's, yeah, it's a way for me to stay, but it's something that's truly like a passion for me. And it's definitely what I love and enjoy. I can see, and you can see that in your work. You can absolutely see that joy. You can absolutely, and that's why I think your images provoke such joy, at least for me. Like I just look at them and I smile. And um, one of the reasons that I was drawn to your account was another uh, member of Black Women's Stitch was like, y'all, look at this page. It's helping me like get my whole life. This is, these girls are fantastic. And then so I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, friend, yes. And 
Yeah. And so I had to talk to you. I just absolutely had to talk to you and learn more about these beautiful images. Let me ask you a bit about your photography. How do you arrange or decide on a photo setting? The photos have really gorgeous natural light, but also even I'm looking at the indoor photos most recently from a group shoot that you did. I'm not sure. I think, oh, this was the, for the collection for your vintage clothes turned into children's oh, yeah. clothing line, the mm-hmm. one from November 3rd. Can you talk yeah. about the setting up outdoor shots versus setting up indoor shots? So that collection was the artist muse, and that was actually indoors, which is my front room of my house. And I tend to create to where I would envision these pieces being worn. Now the girls do wear whatever they choose to wear on any random basis. But a lot of the times, if I am actually trying to showcase something that I just created or made, I will have them like wear it and we'll go somewhere like on the way to maybe doing something else. You're listening to the Stitch Please podcast and I'm talking today with Lisa Bertrand of Jabella Floor about her complex and amazing designs that she manages to snap gorgeous pictures of in about five to ten minutes. After the break, we'll talk a little bit more with Elisa about this. Stitchers, we have a limited edition opportunity for you to support the Stitch Please podcast and the Black Women Stitch project as a whole and get some more fabric in your collection. These are mystery fabric boxes of fabrics that have been divided into woven and knit. There's boxes that that are stuffed with black and white fabrics. There's boxes of chevron fabrics. There's boxes of fabrics called, I think, adventure or nature or something like that. Um, And these are completely full of fabrics. These are medium flat rate USPS boxes that can be sent directly to you for $30. And that shipping is included. So if you're interested in building your stash or taking a chance on some really cool fabrics, let me know. You can DM me on Instagram at Black Women Stitch, or you can send me an email at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. And we will send you a mystery box of very cool fabrics, $30 shipping and insurance included. And that'll help you get your stitch together too. Thanks. Welcome back to the Stitch Please podcast. We're talking today with Lisa Bertrand of Jabella Floor. We've been talking about her photography, her amazing creativity, and now we're going to talk a little bit about why no one actually owes you a smile. Stay tuned. So I cannot believe that this is your living room. I thought for sure this was a museum. I was like, oh, she took the kids to the museum to do this photo shoot. That was really nice. I wonder if they had it all to themselves. Did they have to pay extra? Did they come at night? And you're like, no, this is just my house. No, I definitely would have loved to have gone to a museum or something or even like... You did though. You did go to a museum. Like just sometimes when you think of the cost of stuff and I was like, you know what? No, I can do better. So yeah, it's my front room. It's everything that inspires me. It's all the things that I like to look at on a daily basis that help draw and bring in inspiration for what it is I like to see and do. So it's my front room, though. I've gotten that quite a few times. Like, where is this location? It's my house. (laughs) Maybe you got a side hustle in, like, letting other people use your front room for photo shoots, and then that can pay for some more clothing. Hey, I should put that out there. (laughs) 
I'm serious. You're, I was like, I really thought this was a museum. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So it looks like there's like the, what's the process for the photos? It looks like, cause they're so beautiful. They're so well done. They're so thoughtfully produced. Do you ever face any challenges, particularly from the girls or I'm not trying to say, oh, your girls are reluctant. They don't, I don't know if they ever are. They just seem so joyful. And so I just love that you have captured all these images in this way. And I don't know if you had any tips for people who might want to take better photographs of their kids. My tip, what I usually do is just say, act normal for two seconds, please. And then I take a photo. But it doesn't seem like you have to give your kids no, that kind of know, encouragement. Honestly, honestly, my kids are just like everybody else's kids. We have... I, I think it's almost timed to, to where I know it's like their good part of the day or everybody's in a good mood. It's just like kids. And it's, and the same thing, I don't sit and take like hours worth of photos. I don't even think that it takes us literally five or 10 minutes to capture. Like, I'm like, just stand there, get closer, boom, boom, done. So that I can show, you know, what I do And my Instagram page again is my page. It's not the girl's page. And I like to reiterate that because sometimes I'll get comments of like, why aren't they smiling? How come they look sad? But honestly, I've tried to make those kids smile to where I'm like, smile. And the picture looks so cheesy and phony that it looks completely staged. If I just have them stand there, when you stand there, you're standing there. That's all I do. Stand there, click, boom, done. And we go about the rest of our day. We do what we do. I've even asked them to like, why don't you guys smile? Because a lot of people do expect children to smile. And it's almost like I'm forcing you to smile, but why don't you smile in these pictures? And my youngest one was so cute. And she was like, because the LOL girls don't smile and they're cool. And I'm like, you're basing it off of a doll and like their opinion and, and what they see and just how children are these days is they see that. And even in school, it's like, they see that they see it on cartoons and things. So it's hard to get away from that, but I do encourage them to be themselves at all times. That is fantastic. I was thinking, as you were thinking, I was like, children are encouraged to smile a lot. Who else is encouraged to smile a lot? Grown ass women. You're walking down the street, minding your business, and someone says, hey, smile. And it's, I don't owe you nothing. I don't you know what I just, exactly. I don't know why people associate because you smile, like everything's happy-go-lucky and you're, everything is great. I walk around most of the day in a great, awesome mood, but that doesn't mean that I'm smiling. So it's, we need to like look at things in a completely different way, just how we've been trying to make progress with so many other things. Smiling doesn't mean that you're either happy or sad because how many times have you met somebody smiling in your face and it's completely opposite. So I think yeah. it's just the same for children. Just because they're not smiling doesn't mean they have a horrible childhood or a gazillion other things that could probably be going on. I agree with that. And no one owes you a smile. Children don't exactly. owe you a smile because I think when people, and this is usually men, I have never heard a woman tell another woman to smile walking down the street. This is men telling women to smile. And it's just, you know, I am not here for your entertainment or amusement. I am just trying to get from my office to the parking lot, dude. Like I am trying to get over here to the CVS before it closes. I do not owe you a smile or an interaction of any sort. And so I tend to think about this in terms of power. I appreciate your assessment about emotions and feelings and honesty and integrity. I see it as power. There's been movements by women 
to stop forms of street harassment. And of course, some might say that, oh, telling someone to smile isn't street harassment. I'm like, it's not street encouragement. It's, it's using this notion of this is what I want to see when I look at you. And it has nothing to do with what you really feel. Definitely like the way that was put, because in all honesty, I'd probably have to start using that when I start getting comments on why aren't they smiling in the picture? Well, because this is the aesthetic that we're going for. And exactly, we don't owe you a smile. If you want that, then you probably need to look elsewhere because I allow the girls to pose in whichever form, as long as it's not provocative, which I really do not go down that road with them. And of course the good thing is they don't do that. So I don't have to be like, no, 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 we're not doing that pose. Or a lot of the time it's just natural. They're standing there. They're either turned at an angle. It's whatever they're doing at that moment that my phone clicks picture and they're standing there. So exactly. Did you say your phone clicks a picture? Yeah, I do. I have an iPhone. I have the XR. I take this thing everywhere. It's obviously a ton easier than taking a camera. I can load and do whatever I want right then and there. And it's super easy. I don't, and that's another thing too. I don't do all this fancy schmancy stuff to my page. It's what we wear, who we are, taking a picture and what we wear and what I designed for the girls which is used as somewhat of a portfolio for what I do and what I like to do. So it's just simple, just a simple phone. I just wrote down iPhone XR because I have been doing a lot of intense research on my, for my Christmas present. We're recording this, everybody, about a week before Christmas. And my husband, we talked about this. I was like, I want to get a new phone. My phone is an iPhone 6S Plus. It's about the size of an old school telephone book and the pictures are fine, but they're not as good as the new cameras. And so I just wrote down iPhone XR. I cannot believe that that's, yes. And I want to get a new iPhone because of the photos. So I'm pretty excited about this. So I totally, I just totally put a note on that. Let me ask you about just two more questions. One, you you mentioned your favorite garment and I want to mention one of mine and ask you about the process. And then I want to hear some more about next steps from you. So I'm thinking about the photo of Ella from, this is also in November. It's that dress with all the pom-pom, not a dress, it's a jacket with all the pom-poms. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, oh my gosh, please tell me more about that. And sometimes I wonder if she gets these pieces that are, she also has the one with the fabric that's just hanging, almost like a latch hook that it's like all the different strands. Uh, um, That was like a repurposed a bundle of t-shirts. Amazing. And so I'm like, does she get these because she's the smallest? Cause that would be my strategy. I'm like, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to try to make as few of these as possible. I don't know that. Actually, that is, is another gorgeous. thing too. Ella gets, a, I would say probably, and probably what people might see is like, why is Ella in a lot more pictures than the two other ones? Ella is smaller, so I can make Ella like a size five or six versus the other girls who are probably a 10, 12. And when you're repurposing a lot of the stuff, depending on what it is, you can make more or less. So Ella gets a lot of that stuff, although they can rotate most of those jacket pieces. The one with the pom-poms was just an idea. I was like, yeah, I was like, wouldn't that be cool to have like pom-poms all over a jacket? Like what girl wouldn't? So I was like, I'm going to use up all these piles of yarn that I have that thinking that I'm going to crochet or something, which I never am. 
But I was like, let's make pom. So I was like, okay, I had the whole bag of pom poms. And I'm like, what do I do with these pom poms? So I made a jacket just out of just regular cotton. And I was like, okay. So then I hand sewn all the pom poms on, which oh was like goodness. almost a nightmare in thinking of, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. Not knowing how much work was going to take because the palm making, then hand sewing them onto the jacket. But the outcome was like super fun and vibrant and colorful and she loves it. So she, that pom-pom jacket is a, a definite keeper, but it's definitely not a let's go run and play in the park jacket. It's more of a statement piece. Absolutely. And the statement is your mother really loves you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and took all this time to make a pom-pom jacket. So absolutely. It is so gorgeous. And I love the, we were talking a minute ago about smiling versus not smiling. And I love the natural aesthetic, how you're letting the girls be themselves and encouraging them to be themselves. And I see that with their hair. I see that with their looks. How has your fashion aesthetic that you've been producing for them, how's that influenced their own styles and how they like dress for school or how they put, do they have their own unique style or do they, do they ever seem to want more pedestrian looks? I feel like you're really cultivating their independence in really positive ways. So for school wise, they actually wear a uniform. So I don't have to really so like weekends for us though, is wear whatever you want. Let's see, let's go over to the top and like what we can create and come up with. But they um, definitely do have their own aesthetic. I have one that's one of the twins, Jayla. She's more so, let's just throw on a t-shirt and jeans. And then she'll have times where she's, I want to go over the top to where I'm like, are you going to wear that? Like today when we're just going to the groceries, it just depends it really depends, but we, we try to go over the top because they only wear regular, what we call street clothes on the weekends because they do wear a uniform. That's great. I mean, that this is almost an example of what a uniform was meant to generate, right? That the kids don't have to think about what they're going to wear to school and they can concentrate and focus on mm-hmm. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends, the closet is their oyster. They can, they can really do it up over the weekends. That's fantastic. I have just learned so much. Thank you so much for this conversation. Let me ask you, what are your next steps? What do you imagine the next phase in the Jabella Fleur project to be? So actually my next step, which I'm telling you first, like on a social platform, I was accepted to the Art Institute of Atlanta. I'm going to be attending January 6th and I'll be a full-time college student again on top of doing what I do for the girls. But I hope to obviously one day be in a store so that I can share my designs with a lot of other people that like something different, especially for kids that's not some sort of emoji shirt or basic jeans or something. It's going to always have print. It's going to have color. It's going to have pattern. It's going to have everything. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. I am so excited for you. This is incredible. This is really wonderful. And that you're going to continue as you continue your fashion journey, you're going to continue it in the, for children. And I think that's so empowering for young people. I really do. I feel like for you to take the time and invest in the nation's future, 
basically. Mm -hmm. That's what children are. They really are our future. And wow, I'm just speechless. I am so excited for you. I am so excited for you. Thank you. I'm definitely excited. I'm I'm you have so much (laughs) to you have so much to contribute. You really have so much to contribute in your learning. When you go to school, when you go to these classes, you have so much to contribute. I think you might, maybe you're thinking you have a lot to learn, but I think you have more to contribute than you do to acquire because you already know so much. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just trying to put all the odds and ends of the business aspect with it together so that I can really go in there and just make some big moves trying to get my stuff out there. I do want to say though, that I do plan on designing for women, which was my initial process rather than children. But since I did have the girls, it was just easier to like, Oh, here, let's design for you. But I do want to do women and children. And I think that that makes sense. I look at your pieces and it seems like things that women could wear. So I think that's a perfect, a perfect approach. Well, Alisa, this has been so delightful. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you are busy. I I hear you have three children. I imagine that you are very busy. So thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. I've been talking today with Alisa Bertrand of Jabella Floor. For more information about Alisa, check out her Instagram page and a recent interview with her, all of which can be found in the show notes of today's episode. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcasts directories or services allow for reviews but for those who do for those that have a star rating or just ask for a few comments if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the stitch please podcast that is incredibly helpful thank you so much come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together